Up next is the left turn with Jacob Blair and Trevor Mater here on KZLX LP Maryville. As a quick reminder, the views and opinions of the hosts of the left turn do not reflect the views and opinions of KZLX or Northwest Missouri State University. It is now time for the left turn here on X106.7. TJ Majors giving him the information. No pressure at all. Well, he has risen well above the pressure as he comes out of turn number four to claim his first ever Cup Series championship. It's Joey Logano who wins. He'll never be introduced the same way again. From now on, it'll be willpower Indianapolis 500 winner for 2018. Checker flag, power and Penske win it. Kyle Busch. And here comes Larson. Larson to the bottom of the track. Slide job. Trying to take the lead away. Slide job. Almost. The momentum. The contact. 18. They make contact. The 18 in the wall. NASCAR, IndyCar, and all things motorsports. It's time for the left turn here on X106.7. Now, here's your hosts, Jacob Blair and Trevor Mayer. Welcome into the left turn. And we've had some racing, and boy, was it some good racing. Jacob Blair, Trevor, Mater with you. As it was Daytona 500 weekend, and we have crowned a new Daytona 500 champion. Well. A second time a second Daytona time. 500. After somebody said last week that you didn't think we would have a repeat Daytona 500 champion. Well, after what we saw. And I don't blame you what? for saying that. I, I It's was been a while. I mean. Think they think Since the last repeat Daytona 500 champion was Jimmy Johnson. It was Dale Dale Jr. It was yeah. Dale Jr. in 14. Correct. So, yes. So yeah, and then Jimmy Johnson before that. So yeah, it's not. And now watch, we'll go another five or six years, and that won't happen. Um, and then someone like Joey Logano will get their second in like 2026. But uh, just an incredible race. Um, I know there were some doubts going into it that there would be an incredible race, but. NASCAR said, screw you, doubters. We're going to put on a show, and boy, they did. So Denny Hamlin ends up with a second Daytona 500 and really controlled the, the the craziest part of the race at the end of it where I think there were only three cars that were not involved in an incident. Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and then Ross Chastain were the only clean cars at the end of that race. But, as we said, you looked at the duels, you looked at what happened Saturday with the Xfinity race. You go into the Daytona 500, and you're like, are we about ready? And you said this, are we about ready to watch the single-file 500? And that 499, was the and, then, and then things would have got... And the race started, and I was sitting there, and I'm, we're a couple laps in. I'm like, okay, these, these guys are racing. We're three laps in, we're still double-file, and then five laps in, I said, we're fine. We are absolutely fine, and, and that's... I was hopeful that was what was going to happen because the way I saw Thursday and Saturday was it was driver choice to do the racing that we saw. Sunday was the Daytona 500, and you saw that every one of those drivers wanted to be in position to win that race. And ultimately, when you want to get in position, you end up junking a lot of stuff, and then we saw that Sunday. And I think maybe one of the, the bigger differences with the Xfinity race, too, is, is to those guys, it's just another race. Um it's the first race of the season, which is cool, but you get a lot of guys in new rides that maybe don't even have their rides locked up for the full year. So you can't really tear everything up in the first race. Plus, you're racing for stage points and playoff points and stuff. Whereas, like the Cup Series and even the Truck Series, with I mean the trucks in the Truck Series, the night race at Daytona is like their biggest race of the year. That and Eldora are their two biggest races of the year. So it's pretty much like the Daytona 500 for Truck Series. So those guys and their young kids, they don't know any better. Those guys get crazy as well. But in Daytona, the 500, they basically said, we don't care about stage points. We don't, um, we couldn't care less. Let's go out here and let's try to win the dang thing on lap three and lap 12 and lap 50 and lap 80 and all the way through to the end. And I'm shocked they made it as long as they did without the big one. There, there were multiple times during the course of that race you thought, well, here goes half the field. Most of them when Clint Boyer was moving around. Clint was all over the place. Ricky Stenhouse, yeah. to no one's surprise, was all over the place. Chase Elliott hadn't. Chase Elliott he, wasn't too bad. He really was a non-existent factor in that Jimmy race. Jimmy Johnson was, surprising. was surprisingly consistent. And then, and then he got took out by Rick Ware Racing. Yeah. Um, and then... 
Kyle Larson was kind of all over the place too. He tried to cause. I don't think that was his fault. I think that car was yeah, just. I, he terrible. had a bad week, but I mean, yeah, Ricky Stenhouse, to no one's surprise whatsoever, was trying as hard as he could to take out the whole field. Um, and then Clint Boyer, at least to my surprise, a little bit. I mean, there I counted. There were four times before he actually created a wreck that I thought he was going to. The one that really sticks out to me is I, I want to say with about. 50 to go, 60 to go, maybe. It was before the big one where he was on the top side and Joey Logano was on the bottom and he just darts down right in front of Joey Logano. And I think Logano might have lifted a little um, because if, if he wouldn't have, that would have been really ugly. But the, it was just great racing there all day long. There were a ton of those moments. But th- this is what NASCAR needed. The, the worst thing that could have happened was a single-file race up at the top. I don't know if anything was said and, and recommended or suggested that maybe NASCAR doesn't need that, but the drivers delivered. They put on an absolute show, and you end up with a great story with Denny Hamlin. I, I, you know, Joe Gibbs, they, that whole organization, but especially Joe Gibbs, loses a son, J.D. Gibbs, over the offseason. Well, J.D. was the one that really kind of scouted Hamlin, yeah. and well, Hamlin ends up not, with not only a son, but I believe he was actually listed as the owner of that 11 car. Um, for the longest time, and he was the one that found Denny Hamlin running short tracks in Virginia. Got him in a, a what was a Bush Series car at the time. They were struggling with Jason Leffler in that eleven car when it when it started, and they threw in Denny Hamlin. And I remember thinking at eleven years old, they threw in Denny Hamlin. I was like, who the hell is this guy? You know, he's not. I've never really heard of him. And then he goes out and he's competing for a championship right away. Just an awesome moment. Um, it's almost like one of those things that was meant to happen, I guess, and good for Denny Hamlin. And before we get to the way this race finished, we'll, we'll kind of just go through it, break down some points of the race. What we saw, obviously, from the get-go, these guys were, were too wide, side-drafting off each other, trying to get to the front, but it wasn't until almost the end of Stage 1 we, we saw the first incident, and it was just a... a it was an interesting and, and odd incident, that first one. Bubba Wallace involved, Casey Mears involved in that one. Or I don't think it wasn't Casey. Bubba Wallace, Kurt, Kurt Busch was David the one Murray, involved Ricky in that Stenhouse, one. Ricky Stenhouse, Tyler Reddick, and Austin Dillon. Is that one, and what happens when you're racing two-by-two two is sometimes just things happen where a wreck happens and no one was doing anything to cause it. And that was one where it, it kind of ended up that way where I don't think Kurt Busch was trying to blow, throw a block on Ricky Stenhouse. He just didn't know he was there. That stuff happens, and, and Kurt Busch end up, ends up going around and collects a good number of cars and with with the first wreck of the day. So according to Racing Reference, you know, and they have the cautions and they break down who was involved. Ricky Stenhouse was involved in four of the accident cautions Sunday. Four. And, and by the way, he still finished 13th. Yeah. Kyle Larson... He was involved in three. Where'd he finish? He finished seventh. Okay. Where'd Jimmy Johnson finish? Ninth. He was also involved in three. Brad Keselowski? He was involved in three. Where did he finish? He finished 12th, 12th. was it? Yeah. It, it, the race was wild, and it started early. Somehow they... It, it, we... The fact that they made it to lap 50 before a crash, there was one caution earlier than that with debris. So you have that crash, then you race to the end of stage one, and then about almost at the end of stage two, you just have a, a simple accident. This was the one Casey Mears was involved in. Parker Kligerman was not happy. He was not. That that one was weird, but we you kind of have to expect that from Casey Mears right now. I don't yeah. quite know why that he was the one chosen to drive that race car, but... He was Parker Kligerman. You know, he ended up he ended up finishing fifteenth in this race, so it wasn't all bad. But they were then chasing after he, with an incredible drive, just to make the race. You, you were hoping for a little bit more for him in that '96 team. Then you get to the end of stage two, and that's where you're like, okay, now this is gonna get this is gonna get wild. And you get to it's about lap 160. It's time for the final pit stops. The first group of cars comes on the, on the pit road, and I think what happened, and I think you heard some of the the crew guy or the spotters telling their drivers this is the guys were trying to hide when they were going to peel off to pit road, and a group off the bottom, you know, 
went off and peeled off to pit road and and everyone was fine i think it just caused a chain reaction where some of the slower cars out back couldn't quite well, figure out what's going on two rick Ware cars hit each other and then a bunch of cars get tore up trying to head to pit road yeah and if i remember correctly tyler reddick ricky stenhouse was a small part of that and then bj mcleod and uh, cody Ware, and then jimmy johnson might have got some of the worst of it i mean the whole quarter panel of that car on the fueling side was gone I mean, the, the fuel can was basically dangling, um, and they did an incredible job just to get that car back out there in a spot to even be competitive. Now, they, they, I think they went two laps down, if I remember correctly, because they had a they lost a lap, and they had a one-lap penalty because the fuel guy is only allowed to fuel the car while he was also taping the fuel cell um, together, which is something I did not expect to say, and... Then they lose another lap, but then after all the cautions and stuff, he got his laps back and ended up finishing in the top 10. But uh, there was craziness on pit road before that, too. You go back, was it Austin Dillon and, and Brendan Gone, Gone, where Dillon's crew, crew chief was kind of just being silly with whether or not he should pit and was saying, do, don't, do, don't. And then, I can't remember, did he check up? He, and Brendan Gone, I think it was he thought he didn't quite get woe down before the, the speeding, the start of the speed pit road speed limit, and he slammed on the brakes as Austin Dillon. He kind of was speeding up to get to his marks <laughs> on pit road, and right when that was happening, Brendan Gaughan hit the brakes, and Austin Dillon, I think, was down looking at his, his, his gauges, and right at that moment just got caught not seeing what was going on, hit Brendan Gaughan on the back. Distracted driving's bad, man. But, yeah, just and that's kind of when you thought, okay, here's – where the craziness would begin. I didn't think the first crazy, stupid wreck would happen on pit road, but when it did, I got excited. So I was like, oh, these next 40 laps are going to be. It, then, you know, you go through a little bit of time, and, and you now, now these cars, you know, you've got really wrecked race cars running around the racetrack. you got guys banging off of each other. You get a debris caution with 25 to go. That's where I was like, okay, here we go. This is this is about to get crazy. They get on the, they, they get the restart. And then everyone's worst nightmare looks like it's about ready to happen. Eric Jones loses fuel pressure. At least that's what it sounded like what happened. He slows down the back straight and he away. was running like second or third At that when point, that happened. The Gibbs was in really good shape because it was Denny Hamlin up front, Kyle Bush second. Jones third, and, and then Jones Truex third. was in seventh or eighth, I think. If I remember, and DiBenedetto was up there was running up there. fifth, well, I think. And, and we'll get to DiBenedetto here in a second, but you have that incident – when Eric Jones slows down, it spaced the field out because everyone had to get around him, and everyone found a lane, and Hamlin went up to the top, and it was strung out up top against the wall. And at that point, you're like, oh, no. They've waited until 20 to go, and now we're strung up at the wall. Thankfully, enough things that happened up to that point, enough beating and banging. Kyle Larson took one for the team, had a flat tire, spun to the ins- he spun out, caution comes out, we get a reset everything. Yeah, he had a terrible day, and then they get back going, and you think, oh, no, here we go again. They got single file on the bottom lane this time, and Brad Keselowski blows a tire, spins out, caution. Yeah, takes one for the team. Then that's when the real craziness began. And and before we get to that, I want to talk about Matthew Benedetto for a second. He, He led 34 laps in this race. And for a long time, you were sitting there going, he's got a car that can win this race. And you knew that when he was stringing along early in the race, a group of six cars and caught a group of about 25 cars, and he was the one leading. That 95 car's got speed in it. It's going to have speed in it the rest of the year. I think Matt Benedetto, although he gets involved in the next accident we're going to talk about, he put on... He had a great race, and they have a lot to build on with that 95 team moving forward. I think the two most impressive performances from Sunday were from guys that didn't even win. Matt Benedetto being one of them, and we'll get into the other one, I think, here in a minute. So we get to lap 192. And now they've they've decided we're going to go three wide. We're, we're going for it. And Paul Menard puts a bumper to Matt Benedetto. Of course he did. It's Paul Menard. And starts pushing. And, you know, that's what you do here. You, you try to get some speed going, and, and the issue with that is these cars with the air move around. Matt Benedetto goes one way, Paul Menard goes the other, and Benedetto gets hooked in front of the field, 
and there goes half of the field was on lap 192. 19 cars in total were involved in it. Fox, um, they have a compilation on their website of all the crashes from the Daytona 500, which is an awesome compilation. Kudos to them. And, uh, yeah, just watching it. Paul Menard, I find it kind of ironic that it's it, Paul Menard, yeah. of all people, that, that creates the big one at Daytona. Um, but just gets into contact, Matt Benedetto, and then a lot of those guys had nowhere to go. You know, uh, Eric Almarola, David Reagan, who ended up basically becoming one car during that time, Austin Dillon, Daniel Suarez, those guys had nowhere to go. I, we've seen cars get underneath other cars. I don't think I've seen a, a car get as far underneath of another as David Reagan got under Eric Almarola without the car on top going over. I don't know how it just worked out where there was enough. They were all kind of just – they all molded as one when they wrecked, and that kind of happened sometimes. And I think that's what kept Eric Almirola back down on all fours. It was very reminiscent of Almirola's Kansas crash that ended up you know, having a compression fracture in his back. That's the first thing I thought of when I saw that too and how terrifying that had to be for him uh, and a guy that was – not even a, a half a lap away from winning the Daytona 500 last year to get turned into the wall and thought he had a car to win and gets caught up in a, a freaky wreck like that. So then <laughs> we go back green after that one is red flagged for a while, cleaned up. In 25 minutes. And uh, it doesn't take long before Ricky Stenhouse Jr. puts his car in a place where it doesn't fit and causes another one. And this time he, he ends up... You know, he got into Kyle Larson. Yeah, um, he tried to split a gap, got into Kyle Larson, and, and set off a, another chain reaction crash. Yeah, he got into Larson. He hit Harvick. Harvick spun up the track. Chase Elliott spun out trying to miss the wreck. Then Brad Keselowski got caught up in it, as did Alex Bowman. Now, the other most impressive performance of the week for me, Ryan Priest getting through not one we need to make sure ryan two, priest is from this planet but because two wrecks and that first one you know ricky stenhouse is sliding down chase elliott is sliding up kyle larson is sliding in priest is below the yellow line he holds his line and like the like the red sea is parting just drives right through them nonchalantly uh, the onboard from this is just incredible that's a wreck that's a total race car. And somehow, it wasn't. Yeah. And he and finishes, what, sixth? Fifth? Uh, Ryan Priest ended up eighth. Eighth. That's a total. He should have finished 28th. Well, he, he wasn't done yet either. We go back to green, and it, it's a green-white checkered, but it's still lap 199 and 200, so we're not technically in overtime yet. And this time, Clint Boyer, he gets a, he gets a run. He gets around Michael McDowell and just tries to get back in line too early. He gets hit by McDowell, slides into William Byron, and William Byron goes for a ride. And everything's fine for Byron. He looks like he might be able to continue. Landon Castle just absolutely you know, T-bones him. Byron had a really good race. Too. Byron he, led the most laps. He might have been the fast. He was the fastest Chevy. He was probably, I don't know that I'd say he was the fastest non-Toyota because the Fords were fast. But he was the the fastest Chevy for sure. Just uh, yeah, a, a crazy wreck. And watching it now, Byron would have made it through Landon Castle. I think kind of forgot there was a a wreck going on in front of him, and um, just whammied. But Ryan Priest did it again in this wreck. This time he he just kind of hangs a slight left and. You know, right down by the grass, just misses everything again somehow. The other one in this wreck was Eric Jones. Yeah. If you saw what Eric Jones, and he was, you know, left, then right, then back left, and just weaved his way through everything. But th those those two guys saved their races with some unbelievable driving to yeah, get to I those no Yeah, I just watched the replay. I have no idea how Eric Jones made it. That might be more impressive than Ryan Priest's in the big one because he goes right, and then he goes left, and he kind of bounces off a car without actually – he goes right, and then he bounces off a of Brennan Gunn, then he dives back to the left and barely misses William Byron, who Landon Castle does not miss. And um, holy cow. I, I just – Th those two guys were definitely impressive with their ability to miss Rex. Then we get to the discussion. We're getting ready to go back green. 
before this this restart, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, they they kind of been racing on the restarts. Denny Hamlin, he's considered the leader. Kyle Busch is considered second. We've got Joey Logano in third, who's going to start on the inside lane. You have Michael McDowell fourth, who's going to start on the outside. If you're racing straight up, Denny Hamlin's taking the inside lane and wants Logano pushing him if he's going to win the 500. But with everything going on with Joe Gibbs Racing, Denny Hamlin chooses the top line. They work together on the restart. Bush, it, it made it about as obvious as, as he could. He Hamlin, he went to the gas in the restart zone, and Bush waited uh, a count to go. Hamlin slides in front of him, and then you get to the point where it's Denny, Kyle, and then Joey all on the bottom line. And if you're Joe Gibbs Racing, that was the best way to win the Daytona 500. But if you're Kyle Busch, this is really where the only controversy of the race comes in is there were clearly team orders of some sort. I think the team orders were, okay, we're going to restart. We're going to make sure Joe Gibbs is 1-2, and then, Kyle, if you can get a run on Denny, go win the 500. That run never materialized. Larry McReynolds said something really interesting towards the end of of the race when they started talking about team orders. And, you know, he said when when he worked with Richard Childress at – um, when Dale Earnhardt was alive and he was Dale Earnhardt's crew chief and they had Mike Skinner as well that he said they only, when it came to restrictor plate races they only had two orders don't wreck your teammate and don't help somebody else beat your teammate and I think that's what we saw this weekend I, I think they said one of us is going to win the race we'll worry about who it's going to be but one of us is going to do we saw that you know pretty much last year at Talladega I mean Stuart Haas did that the entire race. I think back to the the last Daytona 500, the Matt Kenseth one. Greg Biffle blocked the snot out of the field so Kenseth could win the race. I don't. I get it. I don't like it, but I totally, I totally understand it. And for me, if you look at the way everything was going to line up, if Joe Gibbs wanted to win the 500, I think he had to do that. If yeah. Kyle Busch starts on the outside. Denny Hamlin starts <laughs> on the inside. No offense to Michael McDowell. He's a great restrictor plate driver, but that car does not have enough speed to be the same level of pusher that Joey Logano was going to be. So I see what happens in up on that restart if it's switched. Hamlin on the bottom, Bush on the top. Joey Logano pushes Hamlin right by Bush. And then no passes. contest. And then you've got Hamlin one. You end up with Logano, too, and then at that point, maybe Ryan Priest ends up at three. Maybe Bush can find a way in. He ends up at three, and then you end up with a situation where Kyle Bush then for sure either has to make the decision to not help whatsoever, and or if Bush doesn't end up three, Logano's just going to back up, and I think Logano, or Hamlin was a, was a sitting duck if Logano was second. What ends up happening is if you put Gibbs one, two, so at Hamlin, Bush, and then Logano, we saw what happened. Logano was able to get the outside of one of them wasn't able to get the run to get to two of them and then trying to that allowed eric jones to slide into third so then gibbs ends up with a one two three finish as a team i completely understand why they did what they did although you want to see each driver race for a win especially in the daytona 500 i i totally understand why they did it and i i can't blame them for doing it at all um do i like it no, I, I also think with the situation surrounding Joe Gibbs racing, that same call might not happen, say, yeah. next year or the year before. I think because of what was going on, the way the race had broken down, Gibbs sat there and said, we're winning this race. I don't I, care, don't care happens, who, but, but a JGR some, car is winning this somebody race. Somebody is, and yeah, and I think that's kind of what happened. I thought what was kind of silly, and I, I'd be lying if I said I've read a lot into it, is the whole Joey Logano, Michael McDowell, um, I don't know if I'd call it beef. Um, I know Logano said that he was very surprised that Michael McDowell didn't push him at the end. And I know Michael McDowell came out and said, my team doesn't pay me to push Joey Logano to a win. Just, I guess, kind of, what, are you, what what's your thoughts on that? And maybe anything you need to or want to add to that. I, I kind of already said, with the way front row racing is, is no, you know, there's nothing negative against them. They don't have the speed of these other teams. You could tell that Ryan Priest, him, they couldn't get close to the cars in front of them to push that well. They just couldn't get there. And I, I think that probably was the issue. And, and Michael McDowell, he's he's trying to win the 500. If he thought, you know, 
trying to slide in behind someone else could better his, his opportunity. That That's the way it was going to go. I, I just think with him starting fourth, there wasn't a whole lot that was going to – with with the whole issue where everything lined up, there wasn't a whole lot Michael McDowell was going to be able to do to try to win that race. To better his position, it probably would have helped to go with Logano. But again, I don't think that car could get to Logano unless Logano absolutely backed up to him. And yeah. then I don't know if the, the two of them together, although they're both Fords, have enough to get around a, a group of Toyotas. Yeah, I, I think the whole, you know, well, he didn't help me stuff is just silly everyone's putting themselves themselves with the exception of JGR in the best situation to win. And, you know, Michael McDowell doesn't know Joey Logano, anything, um, or Ford really anything or Penske. The, the, the other thing you have to look at is Logano. He had damage on his left rear. And that's what Michael McDowell said too, is there's at no that point. If you look at it, I don't know if their bumpers would have matched up, and you would have seen Logano into the fence if they tried to, to hook And McDowell up. was kind of beat up, too, if and I And that remember. was part of the issue at the very end of that race is by then the field was so minimalized, and you had 19 cars running at the finish, but only three were undamaged. You look at the, the group of cars coming in. Yes, there was eight or nine of them still in the pack. There were only two or three or four that were good enough to really be able to do much and two of them were at the front of the field. Yeah, and the other one was Ross Chastain, which he didn't wasn't able to, to help a whole lot. Uh, with yeah, that it was car. you know, and like so McDowell's car was damaged. Um, you could see that, and I mean the furniture, the front row cars are are good restrictor plate cars, and they've been good pushers in the past when those cars are at one hundred percent. This one was not. So, again, Denny Hamlin picks up his second Daytona 500. Kyle Busch second. Eric Jones third, completing the 1-2-3 for Joe Gibbs Racing. Joey Logano fourth. Michael McDowell fifth. Ty Dillon sixth. Kyle Larson seventh. Ryan Priest eighth. Jimmy Johnson ninth. Ross Chastain tenth. And then Alex Bowman, Brad Keselowski, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Ryan Newman, your other cars on the lead lap. A couple more things with this race is now Denny Hamlin. I think it's a, it's a good way for him to start the season after going winless last year and what is, I don't even think an argument, his worst season of his career. Oh, uh, yeah, not even close. I think, so So he now wins the race, he's in the playoffs, and he can really not have to worry too much about figuring out the, the arrow package. We'll see it at Atlanta. We'll get that to that a little bit later. I think the last thing we got to talk about now is we kind of talked about this earlier. Is Denny Hamlin with a second Daytona 500 win in the conversation at the end of his career to make his way to the NASCAR Hall of Fame. I think he was kind of in it before. I think he's definitely in it now. Um, and I don't think that one race should dictate whether you're a Hall of Famer or not. But, you know, I know the, the counter argument I brought up is, well, is Dale Jr. And I think Dale Jr. is going to get in for reasons not particularly related to on-track performance. On-track performance, but for what he's done outside of the sport and as far as popularity and stuff, which is fine. I get that, um, but I, I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, I think Denny Hamlin's a Hall of Famer. You Just using Dale Jr. as an example, you look at the numbers Denny Hamlin has put up, Denny Hamlin's worst year would have been one of Dale Jr.'s better years. Um, Dale Jr. won, I think, four races in his last 350 starts. Denny Hamlin had never gone more than 100 starts without a win. Um, Denny's finished in the top three in points three times. Dale Jr.'s finished top three in points once. Denny's also, the only year he has missed a chase since he joined NASCAR was the year that he, he fractured his vertebrae and had to miss, I think, eight or nine races um he's been kind of a poster child for consistency um last year was the first year in his 12 years even the year that he had the back injury that he didn't win a race he's always been one of those guys that's been competing um race in race out maybe he's had some slumps but he's also had some dominant stretches as well i i would vote for him yeah i, I agree especially when you look at who is in the talk to get into the Hall of Fame. You look at his stats. Really, that, that 30 win, 30 career wins is, is as a driver where that threshold of are they in, are they not in, it looks to be. And I think Denny Hamlin, 
He's above that 30 mark now, and he's going to probably get to the 40 mark before he's done with his career because he's still got some good years left. And I think a lot of people believe maybe Hamlin would be the one out of that 11 car, let Christopher Bell in. I, think I thought now, so, too. And who knows? Maybe, maybe last year was just a bad year for him. You know, drivers guys, have that. Guys are allowed to have that. I mean, Kyle Busch has had some bad years. Um, Jeff Gordon had some bad years. Dale Jr. had more bad years than he did good years. I mean... I maybe last year was just a bad year and he's got things figured out and he's going to come back and he's going to be the Denny Hamlin of old. And then JGR is going to have a decision to make or they're going to lose Christopher Bell. And I'm not so sure they won't lose Christopher Bell. He Christopher Bell will be in the cup series next year. It's just where, where's yeah. where does he slot? You know, maybe Denny leave. Hamlin ends up going somewhere different. Maybe, you know, he ends up somewhere like a Richard Childress or a, I don't even know. Stuart Haas. And Denny Hamlin picks up his second Daytona 500 win. JGR, one, two, three. We'll keep it at Daytona here for a little bit, and this conversation is going to be pretty short and sweet about the Xfinity race because it was the complete opposite of what the Daytona 500 was. The drivers, and this was all the drivers, the, the, the aero package on these cars had not really changed from the last time we've seen them on a restrictor plate track. They all wanted to go top side, up against the wall, string the field out, and really it just turned into who was going to be off of pit road first with the last pit stop. That ended up being Michael Annette, and Michael Annette ends up with his first career Xfinity win. Yeah, Michael Annette and Jeffrey Earnhardt led the majority of this race. That tells you everything you need to know about how bad this race was. Um, yeah, Annette, the, the pride of Des Moines, Iowa, I might add, um, has been in the Xfinity Series for what feels like ever. And uh, 230 starts, had had eight top fives prior to Saturday, and only had finished second once. Is able to, to get the win for everybody else's lack of trying. And good for him. You know, he missed the playoffs last year. Not going to have to worry about that this year. This is also a guy that never has to worry about sponsorship. Um, because he's always got sponsors lined up through his family. So uh, good for Michael and that. Yeah, so really all that, the, the best way to you know put this race into words is you looked at the, the Daytona 500, 19 cars running at the end, 14 on the lead lap, three cars left Daytona without that, that won't have to do work in the shop to get those cars fixed or won't be junking their race cars. The Xfinity race, three cars didn't finish this race. Yeah. 30 it was 28 cars finished on the lead lap 35 cars finished and three cars were the only three that finished and why didn't they finish it wasn't crashes it was mechanical failures or in brad kozlowski's case a weird issue with a roof hatch there was one incident with contact in this race there was another caution for debris other than that your only two cautions were the end of stage one the end of stage two your final cautions, lap 81, you go to the end of the race. And like I said earlier, this race was won at whoever got off pit road on that last pit stop. That was Michael Annette. My biggest gripe with this race is not that it went single file, but it was coming down to the end of that. Other than Christopher Bell, Chase Elliott, and then obviously Michael Annette because he was leading, I've never seen a group of race car drivers not want to win a race more. Yeah, and I mean, Justin Allgaier made kind of a, a half-ass attempt, I think, going, you know, into three, into four. But other than that, yeah, I mean, Elliott and Bell, I watched the last five laps. Elliott and Bell were the only ones that even remotely and tried. what ended up happening is no one would go with them. So they started running the, the side draft pass where they drop down, side draft, slide down <laughs> to the bottom, and basically throw a slider up in front. And because no one would go with them, they couldn't trust that that anyone would go with them, so they'd always slide back up to the top. So then guys started trying to go with them, kind of, and it never materialized. But but to me, if you're Brandon Jones, if you're Austin Sendrick, John Hunter Nemechek was trying a little bit, but Tyler Reddick, Noah Gragson, Chase Briscoe, Cole Custer, Jeffrey Earnhardt, what were you guys doing? Because... You know, especially one of the ones that I didn't get was Cole Custer. I mean, he was sitting there seventh or eighth, and he he saw what the guys behind him were doing. Drop down to the bottom. They're going to go with you. Christopher Pell, Chase Elliott, Tyler Reddick, John Hunter Nemechek, they're going to go with you. All that needed to happen was one of those guys up inside 
fourth through eighth needed to drop down. Instead, Cole Custer, he just rides the top, and he gets passed a couple times by side drafts. I, 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 this race made no sense to me, not because it went single file, but in the fact that there was a, a group of drivers, and no one wanted to win the race except for Michael Annette because, you know, it, it's Michael Annette's prerogative to say, you know what, I'm going to try to string this out on the top. If they're going to yeah. if they're going to do what they're going to do, good for me. I'm going to win this race. Yeah, Michael Annette had every right to say, I'm going to stick to the top, and I'm going to, you know. And I wonder at what point was he thinking, holy crap, like, okay. I'll take the win, sure. Nobody's and nothing? Ultimately, I think the Xfinity race is what led to what we saw in the 500 because I think all those drivers saw, okay, we've been running single file up at the top. <clears throat> we made it work in the duels because we were able to plan forever. Watching no one be able to do anything, and I think you could hear Joey Logano, who was the guest analyst up in the booth, he didn't like what was he was watching. And I think a lot of those drivers sat back, they watched the Xfinity race and go, and went, this, this is an entertainment business for the most part. This isn't fun to watch. We need to put on a show for our fans. And if we want to win the race, we can't sit back in 14th up at the wall and make it happen. We've got to get a bottom line working. I think ultimately the Xfinity race helped the drivers say, you know, we're going to race all 500, all, all 500 miles in the Daytona 500. Let's hope we get the same type of product at, at Talladega that we did. That's going to be a, a question for the new package that we will see at Talladega because one thing we did miss, that was the last time we will see restrictor plates for the near future. You're going to the tapered because spacer. Because it will be the tapered spacer, and we'll have to see if it's – Still pack racing, or if it gets strung out a little bit more, I don't think anyone really knows what to expect when we go to the, go to Talladega. The trucks in the Xfinity series will remain the same, and hopefully the Xfinity series is less single file. But congrats to Mike Lynette picking up his first career Xfinity win. Then you go to the Friday and the truck race, which was more like and even more carnage than the Daytona 500. It was 500. like the Daytona 500, except with a bunch of young kids. Which is pretty much what it was. Yeah. yeah. We talked about 19 cars finished the Daytona 500. Nine. Yes, nine trucks finished the next era Energy 250 on Friday. The, the trucks have always, to me, put on what if the, the Daytona 500 is right there, but the trucks put on one of the best shows of the week. It, Most what, weeks, I, no matter I where. Was, I was for sure the best race we were going to see this weekend was Friday. I didn't think the Daytona 500 could top it. It did. But nine trucks finished this race. And if you you look down the list, the other would end up being 22 trucks, 23 trucks that didn't finish this race. Not a single one of them didn't finish the race due to something other than a crash. They all were out due to a crash this was this was wilder than the daytona 500 in terms of, of guys making moves and what ended up what ended up happening yeah it was bananas um 32 trucks total yeah and every single one of them out with a crash it's 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 easier for us to name the drivers that weren't in a crash than it is the drivers that were in a crash what well, wasn't that just austin hill the winner well, there were eight others that finished. But but I think Austin Hill was the only truck without damage of some sort. Yeah, it was crazy. I think every other truck was involved in the wreck. So Austin Hill, who – and this was a, a weird offseason for the trucks here. here. Here's the way it broke down. Brett Moffitt wins the championship, ends up losing his ride. Austin Hill slides into that ride. Brett Moffitt goes and, and takes Johnny Sauter's ride. So then Johnny Sauter, he goes and takes Myatt Snyder's ride. So the truck series is now all, everyone's in different places, but Austin Hill and the 16 truck, which are Yatori Racing, they continue to be the little team that, that could or whatever cliche you want to use with, And Austin Hill. He gets his first truck win and does so leading 39 laps and really proving he was one of the fastest trucks there. Who would have thought that Austin Hill would get a win this year before Brett Moffat? I'd did you think that would happen? Because I didn't. I thought the only chance he had was Daytona because we've seen the 16 truck be fast at restrictor plate tracks. With whoever's in it, you and know, Truex. So I, I thought he had an opportunity at Daytona. Other than that, no. I would not have. And I don't know if we'll see in 
You know, I mean, I still need to see something from Austin Hill. I don't know if we'll see him back in victory lane. He's ran good season. at mile and a half. So, you know, he had a really good run at Texas last year with Young Motorsports. But I, I'm, I don't know that we'll see him back in victory lane. If the team, the team's together the whole year. They're in the playoffs. So we'll, we'll see what he does. And, and Austin Hill ends up winning. Grant Enfinger finishes second. Ross Chastain in the 45 truck finished third. Spencer Boyd in the Young Motorsports number 20 finished I love this fourth. Top 10. Matt Crafton finished fifth. Josh Riom, who is the slowest truck in qualifying, or one of the trucks. There were 39 trucks. He qualified trucks. 32nd. He got in because of points from last year. He had to take a points provisional. He did not technically qualify in on speed. Finished sixth. Timothy Peters in the 44 truck finishes seventh. Angela Ruck in the eighth truck in the eight truck finishes eighth and then austin wayne self in the 22 truck he finishes ninth and then Stuart friesen who did not finish the race finishes in the top 10 and if i'm not going to finish a race and still get a top 10 with a full field i'm going to take it i'm trying to think back who did you pick to win last week i don't think i really remember did you pick austin terrio I did, and he didn't, didn't even, even make the make race. The field. And, and that is my one. Okay, I, we're gonna we're gonna go here now. That is my one issue with the way qualifying breaks down. You're going to Daytona. If you look at the speed charts, only the top 27 make the race off of speed. You have to be in the top 27. The other five go to point provisionals. The biggest issue I have about day, I, I kind of understand that midway through the season, the teams that have been there all year, you want to make sure they make the race. But it's the first race of the year. There are no points. You're going back to last year. Austin Terrio qualified 28th. And he missed the race because his team doesn't have. Because they run just restricted and you, and you look at the speeds. Austin Terrio qualifies at 178 and some change miles per hour. Josh Rayom, who did finish 6th, he qualified at 171 and change miles per hour. A, a seven-mile-an-hour difference, and Terrio's not in the race. The same thing happened with Jennifer Jo Cobb, who put together a qualifying time fast enough to make the race inside the top 32. She's not in the race because of points. I don't like the, the – I'm, n- I'm not a fan of provisionals. I've never been a fan of provisionals for, on any level of racing. I think it should be straight up like the Indianapolis 500 where we saw James Hinchcliffe not make the race. It should be like that everywhere. And that was really my biggest issue from the, the weekend was – and you can go to the, the duels as well, and Ryan Truex not making the race, even though he qualified on time and, and w- w- was plenty good in the race to make it. Ends up because of all of the rules, he didn't end up making the Daytona 500 in the 71 car, even though he was faster and better than three or four of the cars that, that ended up making the 500. I think that's my only problem with the weekend. Other than that, this was – and the Xfinity race what was a great – speed weeks and a great way to start off the nascar season yeah great race and uh now we get next week in atlanta we have something else we need to, to do in this segment don't we we're, we're before we get to atlanta we want to hit some other motorsports real well quick. wasn't there something wasn't there an award we needed oh. to, to hand good, out good call trevor the i live for this the, the you know the the mainstay the most popular segment of the left turn we're about to award our baby of the week. And Trevor, who is the first baby of the year? Well, the first baby of the week of the 2019 season goes to one Noah Gregson in the Xfinity Series. If you're unfamiliar with Noah Gregson's situation and why he's been awarded this prestigious, honor, prestigious award. dubious honor, um, so Noah Gregson, the Xfinity race, and maybe Jacob can kind of fill in what I miss here. There was a situation on restart where he was supposed to be on the outside and he was on the inside. Um, and there was a three-wide start. He gets penalized. Then in the, the Cup Series race the next day, a kind of similar situation with Chase Elliott, Paul Menard, and Eric Almirola where they started the race, or the restart three-wide. Gregson tweeted out, a picture of it and then said something about consistency. Now, as you can further dive into, those weren't quite the same situations. Really, they weren't all that close. Yeah. Is 
uh, I, I, I think the, the reason why there wasn't a penalty with the Chase Elliott situation is that was more NASCAR's fault. When you look at Noah Gragson's situation, you're supposed to be on the inside. And somehow you are not only stuck in the – I think if he was the one in the middle, he might have had a, a better argument. He's all the way at the top. He's the one that's gotten – Yeah, how do you end up out there? And you're supposed to be on the inside. And that one, they had plenty of time to get lined up in the correct position. Or If you're trying to argue a position, you've got your spotter. You had plenty of time to get this taken care of. The cup race, that one was more – NASCAR really needed to take another caution lap because they were trying to get Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse, and I believe one other to the tail of the restart because they technically pitted before that was the, they were supposed to. That was the to. wreck on pit road. And so they get sent to the back, and they were lined up up front. And so you, you had multiple cars getting shuffled to the back, and now everyone's trying to, to figure out where they're supposed to be Way, where the rows are supposed to be lined up. And, and somehow with the movement of everyone trying to get bunched up, they end up three wide back there. That That's one where they weren't going to the – Ricky Stenhouse was still headed to the back of the field as they were rolling off turn four. And the pace truck lights were out, and they were headed to green. There wasn't enough time to get everyone relined up, right? This is – we see this issue a lot of time at local racetracks where we're moving people around and people, you know, it's not that they're trying to, to gain an advantage. It's just there's a little bit of confusion. That's what happened with the, the Daytona 500 and the Elliott situation with the Gregson situation. I, I really don't know how he got where he was at. Yeah, and then uh, my, my problem with it is taking to Twitter about it. I And he, he deleted the tweet. He put a tweet about can we get some consistency I can no longer find that tweet. Um, I wonder if Dale Jr. didn't tell him, hey, dude, take that down, please. Um, and I know in years past, stuff like that has resulted in a fine. So I don't, I don't know if that's going to be what happens. But, uh, he's the first baby of the week. That's a prestigious honor. We need yeah. to like get a trophy and start sending it to these guys. A certificate. You think they'd like that? <laughs> they'd. I'm sure someone like Kyle Busch would just absolutely love that. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should do that. I feel like someone like Clint Boyer would actually find that really Or, or make like a, a digital version and, and tweet it at him. Yeah. I feel like someone like Clint Boyer would actually find that really funny. Um, someone like Kyle Busch would. The, the, the issue is I don't think Clint Boyer with his personality will ever really win Baby of the Week. Maybe. We're kind of picky. Yeah. And some weeks aren't as aren't as easy to pick as others. Well, you can always, you know, default back to Kyle Busch for something. Yeah, well, one of the Bushes in general, yeah. really. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're the sole reason this award exists. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, before we get to Atlanta and discuss some of the things going on as we now get into the the, you know, heart of the season, I want to hit some other motorsports real quick. Just talk about IndyCar for a quick second. A little bit of news came out this week and really more so i, I want to talk about the fact that indycar is on the rise it's it awesome it is there was a, a couple years ago you were looking at you know some of these races you'd have 17 18 car fields where this year there's some stuff that's come out of, of some of these circuits these street circuits there's the possibility there's 27 28 entries when you include the the projected full-time teams as well as part-time teams where you're looking at 27, 28 cars for, you know, the Grand Prix of Long Beach you know, on the streets there or, or other places, and it's going to cause some problems. It's going to be great having, you know, 28 Indy cars barreling off into turn one in Long Beach, but it's going to cause some issues. But I don't think those are bad issues to have. I think uh, they're great issues to have. So the Indy car, I'm excited for it. We're still a couple weeks away from, you know, the streets of St. Petersburg, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. Um, there was one small uh, tad of news that did drop out of the IndyCar as far as a silly season. Um, this hasn't been like a super crazy IndyCar silly season, but it hasn't been super tame either. Um, there, there were some announcements early, early on, um, such as Jordan King going to drive the road courses and street circuits for Ed Carpenter Racing. Ed Jones was... Or Ed Jones would replace Jordan King, excuse me, on the road courses and street circuits. Ed Carpenter is also going to drive the, in the Indy 500. Marcus Erickson is replacing Robert Wickens, but Wickens also still has a ride. 
Um, and then Felix Rosenqvist um, driving for Chip Ganassi Racing. You knew I was going to get that in there. But the one that kind of came up recently was that Patricio Ward, um, or Patricio O. Ward, um, is parted ways with Harding Steinbrenner Racing. Um, the team was unable to support a full season program for him. I don't know if it was mutual or if it was one way, one way deciding the other. If I had to guess, I would say it would probably be HSR telling Award, hey, dude, you don't have a full season locked up. We don't want to commit to anything. I find it hard to believe that Award wouldn't be fine with running part-time. This was a little bit weird to me because it's so late. We're a month until... Less than a month from the start yeah. of the season, and at this point, you're not going to find a full-time ride. And to me, Award has the Indy Light scholarship. He's got a little bit of funding for some races, and why I find this weird is now he's got to go and, and try to put together a, a part-time ride, which more than likely he probably still had that in place at Harding-Steinbrenner. This is going to be interesting the way this turns out. If we'll see him on, I, I, I'm, I, I bet we see him on the grid at some races, especially the Indy 500. But this was just a little bit weird, just because of how late it was. Because, you know, sometimes guys lose the the full time funding and you go part time. But this late in the season, you just stick with that same team. You run part time and then try again the next year. Maybe he he had a, some ends somewhere else where he can get something done especially with that that scholarship money he has from the, the Mazda road to indy we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with them that that's one of the full-time teams that we have lost which is why i said 27 or 28 at some point because you're gonna have part-time teams there, there's a there's a good solid 20 21 full-time teams but this year you've got a lot of new teams or returning teams that are going to run part-time there's still some questions about if teams that normally just run the indy 500 are going to be back for more races there's questions about McLaren, who has, has shown interest in running a full-time IndyCar program. Are they going to be around for more races than just the 500? So you're looking at, at you know deep fields at some of these road courses and, and other oval races other than the 500. The cool thing is the Indianapolis 500, last year we got back to, to bump day, and there was some major drama on bump day this year. You're looking could have 36, easily cars. 36, 37, 38, as many as I've seen some – one one of the, the things I like to do at this time of year is find the rumor rumors of who could show up. And there's no credibility behind this because obviously this is all just rumor. But with who's shown up in the past, who's shown interest in showing up, if everything lands for everybody, because guys are still putting deals together for, for teams to add a car, teams to maybe add two cars, teams that might be back this year there's all sorts of it i mean there could be 40 cars to try to qualify for the na 500 i don't think it's going to get there because i think some teams that are one off for the 500 will go if there's going to be this many cars we're probably going to hang back and drop some and i think that's what's going to happen is there's 40 cars that want to be there with that many it's going to drop somewhere around 36 but i think bump day is again going to provide a lot of drama this year and it's going to be a, a fun month of May well, for IndyCar. And one of those guys, Elio Castroneves, I believe he's going to run the 2019. Yeah, he'll be back in the, the three. Yeah. Fernando Alonso with McLaren, um, just to, to name two guys that it is confirmed. And I, I believe I saw something where already there's 27 confirmed rides because there's there's no entry list yet and you don't say entries because no one's really filled any of that out yet there's 20 confirmed rides that are going to be there that have said we'll be at the 500 27 already normally we're, we're sitting here at this going okay how do we get the others you know we need 12 more how do we get yeah them? normally we're sitting around 20 and now we're sitting at 27 going okay well if we're already at 27 this could rise to – this is going to be one of the, the strongest. Connor Daly's another guy that's committed to run just today, or not the, the Indy 500. The, you're looking at a ton of part-time rides, and, and th this is going to be one of the most competitive and toughest Indy 500 fields we've seen in a long time just because there's going to be bumping, and, and guys are bringing everything here, and it, I'm excited for May already. It's going to be awesome. So we, we just wanted to real quick talk about some IndyCar stuff going on. Their season still a couple weeks away. 
But now we'll get back to NASCAR real The entry quick lists here. are out for Atlanta, by the way, if you haven't seen them. And we'll talk Atlanta. The big thing is the Cup Series. This is the first time we're going to see the new Arrow package in action. Yeah, it'll be curious to see, you know, how it works. Um, I have I have no clue. I'm not even going to pretend I know how it's going to work this weekend. So I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't think we're going to see the same thing we saw at Daytona. I think that'd be. But I think we can see some good racing. I think we can see kind of some pack racing. I think the way it will work this year with this package is on restarts. It's going to get wild. It's going to get crazy. That's all Three, I need. four wide, and then around lap ten or so, when tires do start to matter a little bit which they will it's going to straight it's not going to necessarily string out but you're not going to see pack racing and i think handling will still come into play I, I think the big deal with this package is they're trying to make it where if a car is faster it can pass because what we've seen with the old packages you've got someone in second they run down the leader in five six laps coming to the end of a race they were five seconds down and Kyle all of a Larson sudden at kansas all of a sudden they're right there and then all of a sudden nothing happens they're stuck one second back because all of a sudden they get dirty air they get arrow push and they're done they're trying to get that out they're trying to make it where guys can actually pass and maybe this package doesn't work maybe it does we're going to get our first look at it at Atlanta, and, and I'm excited to see what, what ends up happening. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, like I so said, the entry lists are out 37, the Xfinity, uh, the tr- Cup and Xfinity, and then Truck Series entry list 33. Um, couple notes from the Xfinity, or from the Cup Series entry list. Um, Quinn Half is not in the 77 car. That was car. what surprised me. Is I th- you know, it was announced he was supposed to be in that ride, but Garrett Smithley is going to step yes. in and, and drive that 77 car this week. And then in the Xfinity, um, really, the only thing that really sticks out to me is Ryan Priest is going to drive the eight car for Junior Motorsports this week. Other than that, he's the only Cup driver in the field. Other than if you count Ross Chastain, um, in the four car back with JD or back with JD Motorsports. And then in the Truck Series, Kyle Busch he is going to run one of his KBM entries. I believe he is the only Truck Series. So. We know our truck pick for the yeah, week. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm taking Kyle. I'm yeah, telling you right one, now. That one's pretty easy. It's and barring mechanical failure, a lap car taking him out, I'm, I'm taking Kyle. Bush. So go to the Xfinity Series and look there. Is, who's your pick for this week? I'm taking Ryan Priest. He's a, a really good Xfinity car driver. I want to go Christopher Bell, but as good as he's been on mile and a half and tracks like Atlanta, he hasn't necessarily had the best luck at Atlanta. So I'm going to take Ryan Priest. This is going to happen a lot this year with me. Is I think the Xfinity series is pretty much already wrapped up in one. I think Christopher Bell is so much far and away a better driver than what what else is there. Not saying that the other drivers are bad. They're gonna there's there's a good amount of these Xfinity drivers that are going to be future Cup drivers, but there's only one Xfinity driver that is ready to move up for the Cup series right now. And that's Christopher Bell, and I think he. Oh, he for ends up sure, with this you one. were going to say it was Jeffrey Earnhardt. I, I think he'll, he'll have a solid top seven run. He's already beat. Of course, he doesn't need to move up. He's already been in the Cup Series, and and you know, obviously Justin Allgaier, he he went up to the Cup Series as well. So there's there's some good talent, but right now, I think Christopher Bell is he, he's. He's too he's, fast. He's, he's good, the guy to be. He's ready for the Cup Series. I, I was hoping to see him this year. Ends up with another year in Xfinity. I hope. I think the rest of the Xfinity Series was hoping he was going to move up to Cup. Yeah, he's the guy to beat this year. Um, it's his championship. That's what it is. And now we'll move to the Cup Series, where I think these picks are almost impossible this week because we don't quite know what we're going to see. If it was last year, in last year's package, we both would be, would be picking Kevin Harvick. With this week, I don't know who to pick, and, and it's going to be difficult until we really see how this is all going to play out. But with that said, Trevor, do you have a pick for this yes. race? So I was I was thinking about going Kevin Harvick, but that'd be lame. So the the thing, and I know we've kind of gone over this a lot before too. When you get things like new aero packages or new tracks, it's about who can adapt the best. I have a feeling you're going right where I'm headed. Yeah, it's it's who can adapt the best, who can make the best of situation. Plus, this guy runs really well in Atlanta. I'm going Kyle Larson. I'm going to say Kyle Larson gets the win in Atlanta. I'm going to go with a Kyle. I'm going to go Kyle Busch. 
just to be a little bit different. I, we've seen Kyle. Did I, steal, did I steal your pick right from you? He didn't steal my pick right from me, but you stealed. You, you stole my yeah. I don't know what that was. You stole my my reasoning. Kyle Busch has won in really anything he's driven, yeah. and I think he, he's got similar adaptability as other dirt drivers. So well, know, Kyle and he, Larson, he kind of was a dirt driver. And I mean, so I think Kyle Busch ends up getting this one and, and wins at Atlanta this week. With that being said, Kevin Harvick probably will still end up winning just because he loves Don't Atlanta. count on Eric Jones either. Like we said, with this aero package, we don't know what to expect. We'd be lying if we could break it down and say this is exact. We know what it's supposed to do. We know how it's supposed to know? look. Do we really? I don't know that we do. We've been – you can kind of – it's all of it's kind of, and we guess what it's supposed to look like. No one really knows. This is going to be a learning weekend, an experimental weekend. It's going to be a fun weekend for sure, too, watching these teams figure everything out. It's going to be a good one at Atlanta. I'm excited. NASCAR season's in full swing, baby. Let's it, go. It is. So I'm Jacob Blair. Alongside me today was Trevor Mater. This has been The Left Turn. We'll be back at some point, depending on weather. It's been cruel here in Maryville. It's been stupid. Thank you for tuning in to The Left Turn here on X106.